0: Media Ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org, or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles to First Peter chapter two this morning. Hard to follow that to see true commitments. Time was spent with those uh, students and. I believe with all my heart that they knew fully what they were committing to and saying with that baptism. It wasn't something that was just kind of an emotional thing, even though it's very emotional. Uh, it's one of those that they've truly demonstrated change in their life already. And so you can be very, very proud of those students and the decisions that they've made in their lives and the grace of God that even gave them the ability to make that decision. This morning uh, we're going to follow along with, uh, I said we have four different sermons about things that we need to make sure, just biblical truths to pass on to our students and to our kids, that as parents we need to make sure that these are just, that they know these biblical foundations. And it's not so much just, you know, because, hey, there's need in our society. Folks, there's been need in our society since Genesis chapter 3, ever since the fall. These are foundational truths that God has established through his word. So this is not a reaction from God. This is very much what God has put into uh, the fabric of, of the, uh, the Bible and his word to us, his instruction to us, and the commands that he gives us. And I said last week that I said, you know... You know, at the age that I am now, dad and granddad, and all those things that appear, I'm going to sound like an old fogey, maybe, perhaps, as I preach some of these things. And then I realized after I said that, I was telling somebody afterwards I said, half of the people don't even know what an old fogey is. I said I just dated myself by using that very terminology. But you know, when we hear something about okay, training your child to respect authority, again, we're going to hear amen because is there a need? Yes. But well, let's go back and say, okay, is this just a need because we need that in social structure? Do we need that because, man, we have rebellious children, or a generation? Folks, let's be historically cognizant and not historically ignorant. This always, this goes back to the beginning. Ever since the fall, ever since the rebellion, ever since the sinfulness of man, there's been a question in mankind that was brought with sin, that we question authority. And so like I said last week, these sermons are timely because we do live in a day and age where do we need more respecting of authority? Yes, they're very very timely, but they're timeless. They go back to the need that we have, this respect for authority, that from the beginning of the pages of Genesis. See, God established a sense of order from the very beginning of time. He placed certain people in positions of authority and he had other people under that authority. Uh, That's going all the way back. And for example, in Genesis chapter 2, God established the home and the family. It's one of those establishments of God. Adam didn't say, you know, I think we should just call this a family. No, God institutes a family and a structure. And if you want to say kind of coldly, a system that's there. And from the very beginning, not man, not Adam, not Eve, but God said, okay, I'm placing you husband in authority and and wife. I'm placing you under that authority. And then when they had children, he says, okay, parents, you're in authority and and children, you're under that authority. We read on in Genesis. And by the time we get to Genesis 9, 6, there's a type of government. It's not a formalized government, but we begin to see in Genesis 9, 6 and, and following that he placed man under the authority of laws And he places mankind underneath that. That there's people that are going to be leaders, and there's going to be people under those leaders. It's important for us to realize that the authority and the respect for authority is a God thing and not a man thing. If there's anything that I would want you to just know in the basic sense of that, this is all God's word, not his reaction to man, but this is what God has established. And so it's not that man saw a need and said, you know, I think we need to have like a leader. It's not like all of a sudden Adam and Eve get together and they have kids and go, we need to be the leaders here. No, God establishes it. And everything that we see about respecting authority and, and having people under authority is a God thing, not a man thing. Now, why did he do this? God establishes, I I could probably list a whole bunch, but let me just give you two of why I did this. God did this. Number one, to teach His authority over us. Primarily, I think that God establishes authority in our own lives, everyday life, because He wants us to understand that He has authority over us. It's kind of hard to be obedient to a God you haven't seen when you're not obedient and you don't have a, you're not under the authority of people that you can see. So it's always spiritual in its direction, but this is the way that we kind of practice it and, and live it out. The other one is to establish order in his creation. And, and these two go hand in hand. In a way, you can't have one without the other. Uh, for example, um, in a football game, you, know, you have referees. Uh, if there were not referees, do you think that each of the teams, especially in a spirited game, you know, where it's a rivalry game, like yesterday, Georgia, Florida, or something like that. Do you think that it's within man, that there's a, we're just going to govern ourselves? I'll, I'll call my own fouls. How many of y'all have ever played, like, three-on-three, uh, three or, or just pick-up basketball, and you were responsible for calling your own foul? You always have some that are pretty, you know, good with that. Then others, like, they can come up there, and, I mean, just forearm units, that wasn't a foul. You always have different discretions when you just leave it among us. And so we have these referees, not that they're perfect in any way, but at least to establish order. Because if you left without referees, if you left without somebody, and you left it to yourself to call your own fouls in life, guess what? Chaos, breakdown. I mean, you think perhaps that could have happened in the games yesterday? No matter who, kind of what college team you might do, what, no matter what sport there is? Now we need this. And so God has established that. And what we see biblically, we could probably add to this list a little bit, but there's three main places that God has established this line of authority. The first one, and foremost, is the home. And that's why we're not, this isn't really a political uh, sermon. This is a sermon about families. Because the first and primary place that God established order out of the chaos is in the family. He said, husbands, you're going to be in authority. You're the leader. And wives, you are submit to your husband. I realize that that doesn't really preach well today. and I realize that there's a natural resistance that we would have, again, from the fall. God says that right there in the Bible. That now there's going to be kind of, even in this loving relationship, there's going to be a little bit of rebellion of the heart and the mind. Why? Because we are not people that really want to be under authority. And yet God never came back and changed the rules. He never came back and said, let me kind of loosen this up a little bit. He he puts it there. And as much as uh, any of the the wives here today would say, you know, I, I just don't like that. Guys, we're the ones that are to live out in the gospel to love our wives like Christ loved the church. That if we're going to be the leaders, and he's called us to be leaders, we need to take that responsibility, we need to take that mantle and grab hold of it and to lead well. So he uses the home. And then later we see a governing. He had that in uh, the nation of Israel. We see that in other places that mankind have kings and they have presidents and they have people of authority and then other people that are under that authority. And then in the New Testament we see that in the church. And we see a lot in the New Testament about that there's an order so that there won't be chaos even in the local church. That he's put people in at the head of the church, pastors, elders, and he's put people under them. Now, Now when you hear that, is there just a, be honest, is there a little bit part of you that says, yeah, but you know, all pastors aren't perfect. Let me give you a really theological word for that. Duh. There's no husbands that are perfect. There's no parents that are perfect. And so we're dealing with a system. We're dealing with these truths here of being under authority, respecting authority, submitting to authority, and it's an imperfect system. Not because God made it imperfect, but because we're imperfect people. Do we get that? And we have to keep that in mind because tomorrow if you go to work and you're under the authority of a boss, of a leader, and, and they're not very kind to you, they tell you to do things that you don't want to do, or... They, they even tell you the wrong thing. We need to remind ourselves, okay, God knew our imperfection, and yet he still established this sense of respecting authority and commanded us, not suggest it, but commanded us to do that. So with imperfect people, in an imperfect system, God gave us a perfect law, command. The home, government, the church. Let me ask you a question. I kind of like the football question a little bit before. But natural man, if left to our own human nature, do we have a nature that submits to authorities? Or do we have a nature within us that normally naturally rebels against authorities? You tell me. Rebels. And again, that's an easy one for parents. Especially when the kids get... Two years old. And, and, and again, one thing I told Carly this week, I said, I don't want to talk down to our students. I don't want to talk down to any of our kids like, okay, yeah, these are things parents need to make sure these kids learn. Now that's that old fogey part, okay? I want to be biblical. I want to give the hope of the gospel. And the thing is, folks, we can't pass on what we don't have. And so when we don't have authority and respect for authority in the home or the government, well, that's not my president. Folks, that's where we have to come back to the truth of the gospel, and what God says here. Well I don't like that, pastor. One of the worst things you can do, parents. One of the worst things you can do is be critical around the lunch table. I' I'm still in the Thursday night group and have roasted preacher for lunch. Do we deserve some of that? Yes, we're imperfect pastors. Are we going to be imperfect in our emotions, our intentions and this that and the other? Yes. We struggle on the same things that you struggle with. And yet, you want to take your kids out of a biblical mindset? You start saying all the things that are wrong with the pastor just as you're eating Sunday lunch. Don't expect them to really have a respect and authority for the church and for leaders when we do that. Does that mean that we just go, as pastors and leaders, we go unanswered? No, we hold them accountable. But we even use a respectful way to do that. We come one-on-one or we take others. But the worst thing you can do is just kind of cut down a, a teacher at school. I'll never forget, my daughter was so disappointed in us. There was there really was a teacher that was known to be kind of a hard, not just a hard teacher, but a very difficult teacher because they they just didn't grade fair. And it was kind of known at North This was back when we were in North Gwinnett and, And it was kind of known that. And our daughter was so disappointed because all the other parents were going to go in there and give that teacher a piece of their mind. Number one, Carly and I didn't have a whole bunch of pieces of our mind to spare. But but we wanted, I mean, honestly, we wanted to teach our our, our kids their authority. We don't have to agree with them. We're not saying that they're right. But they're in authority to you the minute you pull that out without proper channels, that doesn't mean that you don't go through different things and that you don't try to to make wrongs right, that you don't try to do that, folks. We're going to look at that a little bit later on. But when we just kind of throw authority, whether it is police officers, whether it's governing bodies, whether it's this person or that person, we're not setting our children up to live out the gospel biblically not just Old Testament, but New Testament. You know where most of the commands that we see about being obedient or submissive to a boss—Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. The submission to those in, in governing authorities—Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. This isn't an Old Testament thing that we're trying to pull into the New Testament because. You know, we just really liked the way things were back then. I'm not trying to be insulting. Folks, it is historically ignorant to think that we are living in the worst times ever and that we're a generation that has to face difficulties when it comes to the commands of God. When it says to be under governing authorities, Peter writes that, Paul writes that, Nero Who put Christians on stakes and burned them alive so that they could have lighting for their social parties. That's who's one of the leaders. Folks, let's be historically accurate. Let's just be knowledgeable. Let's at least just be kind of deal with it. This is hard. But it's not just because of the day that we live in. It's been that way since Genesis chapter three. By nature, we lean toward rebellion. Rather than submission by nature, we want to do it our own way. By nature, we want to be the rule makers instead of the rule followers. Would you agree with that? That that we share that in commonness with our nature? So throughout the Bible, God in his grace and his love and his kindness has instructed us this bent that we have to a lack of submission, a lack of respect, kind of doing your own thing. God's word brings us back and gives us a way to reflect his teaching, Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is... That's right. Now, now let's, let's stop right there. Is there a part of us as parents? Amen. And there's a part of that that's so easy because it's frustrating dealing with a rebellious two-year-old, four-year-old, 12-year-old, 32-year-old kind of hard. And yet this is our nature. And so God is bringing this lack of desire to submit. And he's bringing us back into correct thinking. Romans 13.1 Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. And yet we want to change in the day and age that we live. Well, not this one or not that one or not this person. His word stands forever, guys. Hebrews 13, 17, talking about leadership in the church. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. In the home, in in government, in, in the church, God is always pulling us back. New Testament, not just Old Testament things, New Testament to live out this gospel life. And do you notice there that our submission to earthly authority is closely linked to our submission to God's authority? Children, obey your parents, what? In the Lord. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and that it was instituted by God. God doesn't separate his authority from this. And so we're not just left with reckless abandonment and hey, everything that's going to go on and these God doesn't have a desire in the midst of this because they're not what we would call godly people. As a Christ follower and you're... Let's say that your mom or your dad is not a Christ follower. Are you to honor and obey your parents and the Lord for this is right? Or only if they're Christians. And we're going to talk about what if they ask you to do something that is disobedient to the word of God. And we're going to see where that tension comes. And so how do we work this out? But folks, not only to honor our parents, but to obey our parents is a command that God has given to all children. But us being children, now parents ourselves, adults, we are still to be obedient to this command. We are still to to live it out. Why? Because the Lord said it is right. And yet the minute that I say that, oh my goodness, difficulties. In this very room, statistically, in this very room, statistically, some of you were abused by your parents. I don't know who, but but statistically speaking, so how do we do this? How do we live this life up to the gospel when there is pure hell that we grew up in at home? And God has answer for that, guys. He has grace for that. This isn't, yeah, we just need kids to be more respected. This is so difficult to live out. And that's why we can't disassociate it from the instructions of the Lord and the grace of the Lord to be able to do that. Never will I make light of somebody that grew up in a home where they were physically emotionally spiritually or anyway abused. I can't imagine... My parents weren't always the most Christian, the most, but they loved me. I never doubted that. When I got a spanking, I deserved 10. It was grace that so only gave one, maybe. And yet I've counseled over the years and I've seen the lingering hurt that comes from growing up in a home where you didn't know if you were loved or not or where you were abused. So if you're part of that statistic, if you're part of that, I I don't mean to to reduce it down to numbers. Please don't hear any uh, lack of love for that. My heart goes out to you. Because even more, I have difficulty being obedient to my parents and I had really good parents and they they didn't beat me, they didn't abuse me, they didn't do this or that. I cannot imagine how hard it would be to you. But I'm not going to lessen the word of God. I'm going to make much of the grace of God. Does that make sense, guys? Because if we're just left with our humanity on this subject or any other subject, then we're left to our humanity and to everything. And we know where our nature is going to go. Parents, when you teach a child to respect much, you're as much teaching them about respecting God as you are respecting authority. You're teaching them that they are not the rulers of themselves. You're teaching them that there are other authorities in life. You're teaching them that life is not ruled by feelings, but that there is a rule of law. There's commandments. There's a, a, in the midst of chaos that God has placed order. That's why God said in, in passages like First Peter chapter 2, We're just going to look at 13 and 14, but but I I can take you through Peter's letter there. And in chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent to him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. In other words, to bring kind of some sense of order out of this chaos. But if Peter goes on, and in and, and verse 13, he talks about submission to the government. And, and verse 18, submission to our workplace bosses. Chapter 3, verse 1, we go into submission in the family. Uh, we go to chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, he talks about submission in the church. Why? Because every leader is always right? No, because God has established order and authority. Romans 13, 1 and 2, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. That doesn't mean that every leader is, a, is God's man. That God voted for that person in the ballot means that he's a sovereign God and that it does not escape God's sovereignty. Sometimes I believe that we can theologically explain that, that God allows it. Other times he would ordain it. But ultimately, even if he allows it, if I understand my theology, he is ordaining it. Not in support of anything that is sinful, but he's ordaining it because he's allowing it and he's doing it. Yeah, but pastor, they didn't have leaders Like we do today, they didn't have the difficulties. Again, let's not be historically ignorant here, guys. You go back in time, and there have been terrible, terrible people in leadership affecting God's people. Remembering God by the name in the Old Testament of Nebuchadnezzar, and he takes these Jewish. Leaders, and he, and he puts them over there, and he, now they're kind of in, in bondage, and yet they're giving a lot of, you know, liberty, and, and he's going to grow them up actually as leaders. And, and in Daniel chapter 1, uh, they're told to eat these foods that they don't normally eat. It's kind of against their religion and their beliefs. And what we see, we, we see Daniel going, and, and we see some of the leaders going there and going, hey, look, we don't eat this. And they're not disrespectful. What, what they say is, this is what we're used to Can we do a little experiment here? Can we eat this? And You know, you, you the other people eat this, and then you can test us and see if this was okay. It was very respectful, and yet it was taking a stand on something they did not believe that God wanted them to do. We go just a little bit farther, and we see the famous story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, when you hear the band playing, do what? Bow down. And claim me as the ultimate leader, as the authority, as as God. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego goes, we, we're not going to do that. Because the king did like them. He said, okay, I'm going to give you a second chance to do that. But if not, you're going to be thrown into the furnace for this rebellion. What did they do? Our God's able to save us? But even if he does not, we won't bow down to you. Why? I thought you were supposed to be obedient to those in authority, even if they were evil. Not when it tells you to do something that God's law tells you is primary and supreme. And that's the tension that we're going to live in. That's the tension of our society. This is where you need the wisdom of God to instruct your children and grandchildren in this area, guys had a friend uh, at a church many years ago. He was a machinist. And he was instructed, to, you know, the, the next machine part that he was going to work on. And so he, he began to look at the, uh, the sheet and the instructions and all that. And he asked the question because it was kind of a part that he was unfamiliar with. And he asked the instructions of, about, okay, well, what does this go to? And it was a machine that helped to abort babies. And, and Michael said, I, I'm not going to do that. He went respectfully. He didn't kind of stop him. He went to in the boss, and he said, I can't because of my convictions. I don't believe in this. I believe in, in the sanctity of life, and, and I, so I can't make this part. And, and the boss said, no problem. You can clean out your drawer. He was fired that day. This respecting authority, this, it's, it comes at a cost, guys. It comes at a cost to stand up for our convictions. This isn't a blanket that just goes across, okay, no matter who your boss, whatever your boss says, no matter what your parents say, what if your parents tell you to do something that is not biblical? God's ruling, his laws, his His commands, and his call override what happens in daily life, even if somebody else is in authority. Let me give you an example of what I thought would happen, I kind of predicted 15 years ago, and it's going to happen, I believe, if God gives me life to, to preach in another five, ten years, I, I think it will happen in this lifetime. That if a pastor stands biblically on certain truths of the Bible that are not socially acceptable, it can be considered a hate speech and you can be imprisoned. I truly believe that's going to happen in my, in my lifetime. And, and I can be the hero right now and say, well, I'm going to preach the Word of God no matter what be separated from my wife and my children and my grandchildren for the rest of my life. I pray that God will give me the strength to be a man of integrity on that day and say, I will preach the truth of God because it is the supreme call of my life. Do you see the tension there, guys? We're we're not just saying, teach your kids to be obedient to to everybody in authority out there. That would be kind of really unwise. Why? Because there's... All sinners out there, but there's really evil people. I was joking with one of our kids this morning. I said, and it's probably a about every parent's thought. Hey, take out your brother. And when I mean take out, I don't mean out of the room. I mean like off the earth. Joking, but I mean, have you been there, parent? Of course that's not instruction that we would give to our kids. Yet in a and sinful world, this tension is there and God doesn't release and say, okay, don't respect authority if they're not Christians. I mean, he actually says just the opposite. He said, okay, yes, respect the authority that's there as Christians, but, but even if they're not, if you're, if you're working for a boss and they don't walk in Christ... The Word of God would say you live as an example of what the Christ life looks like in front of them. That's hard stuff. I can say all day, I won't preach God's truth to my dying breath, but what if it is my dying breath and I haven't been with my wife or my grandchildren for five years because I'm imprisoned? That's the cost. That's the cost. And I pray that if that day comes that God will give me grace and strength and faith and ability to stand for what is right. Don't think that this is easy, guys. Don't even think the first part is easy. How many of you have had a rebellious spirit before, and yet you knew that your mother and father was right? I mean, deep down, you really did know. Somewhere in there, you knew that they were right, and yet you just didn't like being under authority. And there was a part of you that said, No. Has that ever happened? And you even knew that they were right. So how much more do we feel this tension when we sense that maybe somebody is really wrong? One of the traps that the Jewish leaders, the Herodians, the Pharisees, tried to catch Jesus in in Matthew chapter 22, uh, they wanted him to say something against Caesar. Because at that time, Roman government was over the land and and the Jewish people, they hated the Romans. They hated the Romans. And so they were going to try to get Jesus to kind of say something against Caesar and kind of get him in this trap and turn him over to the Romans. And so in chapter 22 of uh, Matthew, they asked, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God's God truthfully. Lie. I mean, not that Jesus didn't do that. They didn't believe that. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for they are not swayed by appearance. So tell us what you think, Jesus. To pay, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? In all wisdom. In all obedience. Jesus in his brilliance. In Matthew 22, verse 20. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled. (laughs) And they left him and went away. Incredible brilliance. Incredible wisdom. To follow the commands of God, and yet at the same time not be disobedient to, to, to God and his commands in our lives. Here's the question. Here's the question, guys. Do you need that kind of intelligence? Do you need that kind of brilliance? Do you need that kind of, you know, insight to be able to help your kids navigate this world? Then let me give you two applications to the text today. Number one, teach them the principle of authority. The principle of authority. How this is a God thing and not a man thing. God had great purpose for that command. This is so hard when we see so much evil in the world. But evil was there when God pronounced these commands. Let that fall out in three different aspects. Teach respect of the people of authority, positions of authority, and places of authority. Is the church a place of authority? Yes. Yes. God has established it as a place of authority, especially in the life of a Christian. And, and so, you know, even if you disagree with the pastor, teach your kids to be obedient, but also teach them that it's okay, respectfully, to ask questions. I invite you all the time, hey, if you don't disagree with what I said this morning, let's have lunch. I'll buy. I love those discussions, not because I like confrontation, but because I really believe that if we're going to work out this gospel in everyday life, that it's going to be some tense moments. And there are going to be many moments that I get it wrong and I want to be corrected. But at the same time, I want to give you insight that for some reason, you're kind of missing the boat on something. We just want to go to God's word and see what God says. So this is the first thing. But now, here's the second part, and this is so important. Teach them the hierarchy of authority not just the principle of authority but the hierarchy authority who is the highest authority that there is god and god's word so to navigate this world and to be able to be come back with this like spiritual brilliance that christ had rendering to caesar what is caesar's did he res- did he disrespect the authority of caesar did he follow the the God as the ultimate authority in that statement? If we're to navigate this, both us personally and then teach this to our kids, we need to teach them to the principal authority that is biblical. It's a God thing, not a man thing. And, and that there's a hierarchy here. And that God's word is always supreme. So what does this mean, guys, in practical application? We need to be teaching our kids the word all the time which means that you need to be in the word all the time. Jump in the deep end of the pool, guys. Handle the the word of God with, with great respect. When God says something, even if it's abrasive against your rebellious or sinful nature, trust that God is speaking truth and ask God to give you the grace to surrender to that. In a world where we have championed our feelings, in a world where we have championed our own thoughts, God's word, empowered by God's spirit, is the help that God has given us to live holy gospel lives in a fallen and evil world. Without his word, without his spirit, the power to, 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 to understand the word and then to put the word into place as we don't have any hope. You know the only hope that we have at that point? Is our understanding. I said it a million times, I'm gonna end with this. How many times have we heard somebody say, how many times have we said ourselves, well my God would never fill in the blank. Because it's not what we like, it doesn't meet our emotional needs, it doesn't justify our actions, and so we, we make this God, no this is the God, He described himself. He's the one that says, this is the God that I am. And if we differ from what he has said about himself, guess who's wrong? This is not a God of my own making. This is a God that loved me so much that he clothed himself in flesh that I might not spend eternity apart from him, but I might spend that with him to give me hope in an evil world. To give me the ability to come under authority when I don't like authority. Without the grace of God, without this God of the Bible that is unapologetic in the commands and the call that he places on our life, this is not for sissies. This is for people who have been regenerated by God's Work through Jesus Christ. And in that regenerated mind and that regenerated heart, there is hope for godly living. This is our hope, guys. And this is the hope that I prayed that you would pass on to your children, even on difficult subjects. But mom, the teacher was wrong. But mom, this happened. Mom, I got fired and it wasn't my fault. What a complex world. What an amazing God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we do not want to cheapen this in any way, Father. We do not want to make it relevant to 2023 alone and try to act like this is something that has only happened in our generations. Father, this has been a problem since the fall. And Father, our very nature is to be rebellious against any line of authority, starting with our own parents in our own home. And it gets complicated even more, Father, when we see that there is sometimes pure evil. Father, even parents that would abuse their children, even husbands or wives that would abuse one another, instead of working itself out, Father, it gets more and more complicated. And that's why we need you, Father. We need your word to guide us. We need your spirit to help us to rightly interpret your word and handle your word. And Father, we need your spirit to empower us to die to self and be, Father, what you've called us to be, light in the darkness, demonstrate hope in a hopeless world, to submit and be slaves to your will and to your call. Without you, Father, we can't do this. We can't even parent right, Father, much less have these own attitudes in our own life. So will you equip us this day, Father? Will you equip us through your word? Will you put us on our knees as parents? Will you put us in your word so that we can pass on the truth and the call and the strength and the answer that you've given us? And we pray all this in the hope that is Christ. Amen.